All right, as you're finding your seat, I want to welcome you again and uh, to Seven Hills Fellowship. My name is Jefferson Bennett. My wife and I moved here to Rome uh, two and a half years ago uh, so that I could finish seminary in Atlanta and so that we could be closer to our kids' grandparents who live in Metro Atlanta. And uh, it's been a joy for us to be a part of this fellowship for the last two and a half years and to grow with y'all and to learn from y'all and to, uh, and to continue to, to walk uh, with the Lord alongside of y'all. Uh, this past weekend, we've been uh, doing a D-Now, Discipleship Now for the students, as we said earlier. And uh, sixth graders to twelfth graders have been uh, bunking together and eating together and annoying each other together and then <laughs> laughing together and all of the above, everything. And uh, it's been really a sweet time. And so as we were uh, preparing for the weekend, it was like, what are we going to do to end out the time, you know? Uh, how do you end a, a youth weekend? Well, we thought it'd be great to end it here with the whole body, right? With, with the entire church. And to say that this is not something we do in a silo, but this is something we do in a community. And so, um, so I'm thankful that uh, the leadership of the church said, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 119 this morning. And uh, some people might think it's strange to spend an entire weekend in Psalm 119, the longest, most uh, redundant psalm uh, in the Bible with teenagers. Uh, that sounds kind of weird. And yet, we're going to find out this morning why we would choose to do that. Why would it be so crucial that before we get into all of the particulars, why uh, championing what the psalmist is going to champion uh, in this text uh, is, is crucial, is foundational to begin with. So Psalm 119, uh, verse 105 to 112. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I don't forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Psalm 119 reminds us something that we have long forgotten in this country and many countries in the West, that the most precious and profitable and glorious possession on earth is in fact the Word of God. The most precious and profitable and glorious possession on earth is the Word of God. Let's pray, ask the Lord to be with us as we open his word and dive in together. Father, thank you for calling us here. Thank you for Jesus and for his spirit with us who trust in you and who cry out to you in this morning's service. We pray that you would give us light as we uh, dive into your word, precious, profitable, and glorious as it is. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So, 
little background here to start. What in the world is a psalm? Uh, It's not a word that we use these days. It looks like palm, but it's not. And uh, it's, you know, you you hear people kind of throw it around from time to time. What is a a psalm? A psalm is a song. It's a, it's a a collection uh, of the 150 psalms in the Bible we have is the the hymn book that ancient Israel used to worship God. It told the story of what God had done in the past, what he'd promised to do then, what he was going to do in the future. And it rehearsed the promises of God, and they would do it year round. They would sing these and remind each other of what was true and what to do because of that, because of who God was and who he had called them to be. Psalm 119 in particular is especially wonderful in that it's the longest and the most beautifully crafted psalm in the text, in the the whole collection. 176 verses broken down into 22 stanzas, each starting with one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order. Eight verses of the A equivalent, then eight verses of the B equivalent, and so on and so on and so on for 22 verses. It's like a massive hip-hop song. It's like a massive rap song, just ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, da-da-da-da-da, I mean, it's literally, it's really kind of cool. I mean, if we all read Hebrew, I would just put the Hebrew up, and we would just read it, and it would be beautiful. You'd be like, wow, that's masterful. It's masterful in the sense that he actually is able to keep it up for 176 verses. That's pretty cool. But the other thing that's masterful is that he actually says something significant in every verse. It is a well-crafted masterpiece in the original language. And it's fascinating to me that the one thing that this psalmist wants to pour all of his energy into, all of his literary genius into crafting, is centered around one topic, one possession on this earth, and it is the Word of God. A lot of things he could have talked about. A lot of things to get excited about in this world, right? God's given it to us. He's made all things. And yet the psalmist is saying, I'm going to pour my life's work into this. It is the centerpiece of this psalm because it's the centerpiece of the heart of the person writing this psalm. It is his joy. It's his delight. It is his food. And so that's why we start here uh, with the students and on this Sunday morning with this work of art. Verse 105, uh, we can go to the next slide. Verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. First thing we see is that this word of God brings light to both our life and to our world. The psalmist used just two words to refer to the word here. He uses the lamp and then he uses the light. The lamp is a word uh, for the feet that is like a small, narrow, focused light that you can kind of see where you're going kind of daily. It's your walk with the Lord. The second word, light, is like sunlight. It's like lighting up the world around you that you can actually begin to make sense of the people walking beside you, the people going the other direction, the people in the distance saying, no, this is the way over here. You begin to see what once was dark, and make sense of the world around you. The psalmist is saying, this is not just about me and Jesus. It's about me, Jesus, and everyone around me that I'm walking with to make sense of what is going 
on in the world. It helps us make sense of our lives and the madness in them. And it secondly helps us make sense of the world and its madness going on. Verse 110. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I don't stray from your precepts. Isn't that interesting? He's able to call what the wicked are doing a snare, a trap. He's able to see what's happening as a snare or a trap because the lights are on now. The word of God has lit up the world and he goes, that's a trap. Those idols that keep giving them super big victories in war, super big um, treasure uh, uh, storehouses, they're they're gaining a lot of, of possessions and wealth and accruing power. Those idols are traps. Don't care what the results are. The traps, because I've seen the kind of lives that they produce, and the word has said, that's the kind of lives they're going to produce. And I'm sticking here. I'm staying here with the word. The world says, right, today, romance or popularity or money will satisfy us. You know, and it looks so good from the outside, doesn't it? I mean, it's like if someone said, hey, uh, I'd really like to to take you um, to go antiquing today. Uh, We're going to be gone all day looking at antiques, dusty old antiques. You'd be like, "Uh, okay. I mean, some of y'all get into that. And we had to dig through antique shops yesterday, and I was like hacking up a lung from the dust, you know. But they're sweet people. Uh, but, but if I said, hey, let's go to a car show, like Lamborghinis, he's like, yeah, Ferraris, right? Let's go to a car show. We're going to be gone all day. You'd be like, hmm, a car show. That sounds sexy, right? That sounds exciting. That sounds cool, right? It looks so good from the outside, money, wealth, right, romance, all the, all the rom-coms. I mean, they, they are so attractive, right? They package it so well for us. And yet, we see that actually those are traps, those are snares laid down by this world and its ruler, its prince of darkness. You don't have to read the news too long or, or watch a, a documentary for more than a minute before you start to see, oh my word, what looked so good from the outside is, is, is empty, has crumbled underneath, right? We see it in celebrities, we see it in politicians, we see it in all sorts of folks uh, or as, we, as we process what in the world um, those empty promises do to us. My daughter Elizabeth is is four years old, and she has been um, uh, the last few nights a little more scared of the dark. Uh, she's um, asked at night, uh, "Daddy, um, I'm I'm scared. Would would you would you mind leaving the door cracked for us?" And I say, "Sure, baby. I can I can leave the door cracked for you." Let a little light pour in, remind you I'm right over here, 
you know, that you're safe. The darkness is not going to, to hurt you. It's not going to harm you, right? And that's exactly what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, God, our Heavenly Father, has not shut the door on us. He's left it cracked. He's let a light come into this world, and he's saying, I'm here, I'm with you. I'm right in, I'm right in the next room, and I'm here with you through this light. You can t- trust me. You can walk with me. You can hold on to this light of the word. So practically speaking, this psalmist is inviting us to not put our life in unnecessary harm's way, right? To not chase after the other glow sticks of the, of the, of the world and, and, and to run off from the word, but to really sit in and, and, and trust what God has said will produce a happy and whole life. The older I get, uh, the darker I realize that the world is, right? And, uh, and sadly, um, I realize how much that I contribute to that darkness by closing this book here right, and turning to find happiness elsewhere by shutting the door on the light and saying, my peers, my performance, my pocketbook, my popularity, that's what's going to really satisfy. I don't do it intentionally, right? I mean, I don't bury the Bible in my backyard and say I'm never opening you again, right? But practically, it gets pushed further and further back on the bookshelf, further away from the nightstand, right? And it stays closed longer and longer. If we don't turn and remember that God has given us light in this life, Right? And this light will keep us safe and it will guide us to the Lord. So don't put yourself in unnecessary harm's way. Trust this light. Trust this word. Number two, we see that this text uh, has given this psalmist hope. Hope. Hope in a home. Hope in a heritage. Hope in something that is coming to all who walk in this light. He says, I'm severely afflicted, but give me life, O Lord, according to your word. That's interesting because we don't know a ton about uh, who wrote this psalm or what exactly their situation was surrounding uh, their life at the time. But we do know that this psalmist attributes his affliction to a very interesting source. If we go back earlier into Psalm 119, we see this. Psalm 119, 67 and 71, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went what? Astray. But now, now I keep your word. It's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The psalmist has has. Uh, placed the source of his affliction in God himself. That, that the Lord has allowed this affliction to come in such a way that he would not trust the traps of his former life, of his former ways, of the idols that surround him and the wicked generation that is, is swirling and tempting around him. He says, God himself has allowed this affliction. Isn't that incredible? That he can say that And say at the same time, it was good for me that I was afflicted. What? 
I was sharing a time with a, with a class the other week, on Friday actually, and, uh, and I was sharing a time that we, my wife and I were in serious affliction when we were missionaries overseas, and, um, and how, how hard that was and troubling that was, and one of the questions came, they were like, wasn't that so uh, like discouraging for you? Wasn't that so, like, I mean, that would just create a lot of doubts in my heart and my mind about God's purpose and the church and everything. And I said, yeah, you, you would think that. You would think that affliction would do that, and yet it did the opposite for us. Right? We clung even tighter to the promises in God's word. We trusted even more what he said. And actually, everything that was happening in our affliction, God had said in his word, would happen for those who would turn away from the word, forget his word, which we did regularly, and repented and came back and said, it was true the whole time, Lord. It was true. In the midst of our affliction, we have hope that you are doing something far beyond what we can see. You're making us a home. You're giving us a heritage, something to take hold of and to trust in coming soon. This hope and a home and a heritage is what the psalmist is clinging to. Verse 11 and 12, he says, and this is how I hope, right? I'm hoping your testimonies, they are my heritage, right? They are my retirement account, your testimonies. I don't know what my 401k is doing right now. I lost a lot of money last quarter. Anybody else? That was bad. Um, He's saying, I'm not worried about that. My heritage is in your testimonies, right? Your word doesn't change, right? God's market doesn't do this, right? It's steady, it's unchanging, it's constant. And he's saying, that's my heritage. That's my retirement. That's my hope, right? I don't need it here because it goes away, right? And we've heard this before, right? Jesus in Matthew 6 had said this when he said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures, where? In heaven. Lay them up in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. He's saying, you can't lose this, right? You can't lose this treasure, and he says, your treasure is where exactly where your heart will be, that whatever you treasure, whatever you hope in, whatever you trust, your heart is going to follow, it's a warning. It's not a, a, a judgment. It's a discernment. He's saying, this is true. This is how God built us. Whatever you hope in, that's where you're going. That's where your heart's going to follow. And he's saying, the psalmist says, don't put your hope in anything but in the testimonies, in the promises, in the instruction, in the statutes, in the word of God. No matter what affliction you're facing right now, and I know in a room this size, the afflictions are countless. But I want you to hear this, that God sees you, knows you, and if you trust in Jesus Christ, you better believe that those afflictions are for your good. As dark as it may seem, as hard as it may seem, the door's cracked, the light's there. Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you lean on him in this hardship, in this affliction? That's the invitation. Jesus says, you need to be reminded, right? A good place to start is by giving up 
whatever it is that's distracting you from trusting and holding fast to his word. Good place to start is by giving up what is keeping you. I had a friend several years ago, a really gifted guitar player. Um, it brought him a lot of joy. He led at various uh, mega churches around Atlanta. And, um, and when I had met him, he had just recently sold all of his treasured guitars and amps. And Elmer, I know your, your, your stomach is like squeamish right now. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't sell your gear, dude. That's your gear, man. You know, like, and we were all, all the musicians at our church were like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Right? You spent countless hours working to save up for that and to, to collect that. And, and when he told us why he had done it, he said this. He said, it was pulling my heart away from God. That's all he said. It was pulling my heart away from God. He said, I can still play. I can still, I can still worship the Lord. I can, I, can, I can get a beater guitar. It's fine. He said, but I, this possession that I had worked so hard to build and create and craft has become for me something that is closing the door on the light. My hope is shifting from the Lord to these things. And he said, I, I got to give it up. And that was a really wonderful, practical, biblical thing to do. To say, okay, get rid of it. Get rid of it. One time my wife came home from a weekend away. She said, hey, where's the, uh, where's the Apple TV? And I said, oh, it's gone. She's like, where did it go? <laughs> I said, oh, it, it, it's at the bottom of the lake. She's like, what is it doing at the bottom of the lake? I said, well, you were gone, and I was really getting tempted to just, like, binge all weekend. I had, and it just, I, I, was, I felt overwhelmed by the temptation, and uh, I unplugged it, and I drove it to the, to the lake, and I just chucked it in. She's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> And then later she said, that was a pretty biblical thing to do. Um, Number three, the third thing that we see, final thing we see in this psalm is that this psalmist is not only, right, it's not only receiving light for his life and his world. He's not only getting a hope in this home and heritage that are to come that can't be taken away by anything, but he also sees that the word of God brings a peace a peace to our purpose. Why are we here? Why is any of us here? Everyone's asking that question. Where's my place? What do I, what do, I do with my life, right? What do I do after college? What do, I, do I go to college? Uh, what do I do um, when I get married this summer? Uh, you know, what, what's the next uh, promotion going to look like? What, what am I here for? What do I invest my life in? And it can be quite an anxious uh, conversation in your head, right? I don't read a lot of um, pop culture stuff, but, but the little I do read just keeps saying, like, my generation, the millennial generation, is the most anxious generation that the world's ever seen. No peace. No 
sense of, aha, my purpose. The psalmist says, his peace is found here. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I've married your word. I've taken vows to keep your word. That's my purpose, to keep your word, to figure out all the creative and beautiful and wonderful ways that it applies to this life and the life to the come. To those around me as the world lights up my world, I've sworn an oath. I've married these promises of yours to keep them. And then he launches into a worship service right here, right? He says, I have gone and offered these sacrifices of praise, these free will offerings, right? He's going to the temple and he's saying, accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, right? Teach me your rules. There's a peace here. He's not off like some of the kings were trying to work a deal, do a deal, get, get things situated just right so that Israel would have kind of a, a materially uh, brighter future on the horizon. He's not off, you know, um, scheming and coercing and manipulating and trying to craft just the right resume for his country and for his family, but he's saying, I'm in the temple praising the Lord. My peace comes from him. My purpose comes from him. And it's so serious to this psalmist that he says, I hold my life in my hands continually. In other words, I am going to die for this. Like a sacrifice is held over the altar, I hold my life in my hand. And I hold it up to the Lord and I say, right, teach me your ways. Right? I do not forget your law. How sure am I? How serious are my vows? He says, I'm going to give my life for this. Everything. It'll be the centerpiece of my heart all the days of my life. That is purpose. That is peace. How that gets flushed out in your individual worlds, I mean, there's just countless number of ways that that works as the Spirit guides you. As you place your trust in Jesus, as you walk with Him in His church, but the, the core, the, the, the bedrock, the foundation is in an unshifting, unchanging word. Did y'all hear this? I just heard this, that North Pole, uh, magnetic north has changed. Anyone heard that? Somebody fact check me here. Yeah? Anyone else read that? I don't want to say anything that's untrue. Magnetic north has changed. All right. I'm just going to let you know. It's not the same. Okay? I don't know where it went. I don't know how it shifted. Actually, scientists don't even know how it shifted. But they're like, apparently, whatever north was when you were born, it's different now. I don't know how that works. The psalmist is saying, man, magnetic north may change. <laughs> okay, the stock market might change. Uh, your gifts may change. Your situation may change. The word of God is the same. It's stable. It's constant. You don't have to scratch your head and go, Huh, that's weird. That's, that's different than it was the last time I opened it. And it's always true. It's always reliable. That is peace. That is purpose. He knows why he's here, and he knows what he's willing to do for it. That's precious to him. It's profitable, and it's glorious. That's the word of God.
That's the word of God. We're going to close our time this morning with, uh, with an illustration here. And so it's one that's going to require some darkness. Just going to give you a heads up. It's about to get dark in here. Uh, if you have an inhaler and you need to use it, just go ahead. Just pray. So, Ellery, let's bring the lights down. And let's kill the screen, Johnny. Let's get the text all, all off of there. Thanks, bro. This is the world we're born into. This is the world before we come into contact with the Word of God. Shadows shifting, not really sure what that is over there. In front of me, there's a black pit. I'm not sure if there are stairs there or where they might be. Everything's black. Kind of stumbling through life, stumbling through the hallways of your school, stumbling through the hallways of your own house. Everyone kind of guessing and, and, and making up what they will of this world. The psalmist says that your word is like a lamp unto my feet. Okay, there's a little bit of light here. Lord, what, what else do you say about, about this life? Okay, I can see there's stairs here now, so I can, I can walk safely here. And, uh, oh, there are chairs. I didn't even know there were chairs here. Right. And look, over there, that's where I stumbled last year. That's where I, that's where I stumbled. I, I couldn't get out of bed for days. And there's some cables, and there's, there's pits, and there's valleys, and you begin to see, right? Oh, wait. It's not just my life that this is lighting up. This Word of God is beginning to light up the lives of those around me. I can actually begin to make sense of not just my own pain and suffering. I can begin to make sense of others. What are they here for? Well, I can kind of see that they're stumbling, they're tripping, and let me take them the Word. Let me pass it on to them. Hey, have you read this? Have you seen what Jesus has promised? Have you, have you seen the light? No, I've been walking in darkness. Well, here, look. <laughs> look at this with me. Isn't this amazing? Do you see what he promises here? Do you see what Jesus has given us in his word? And little by little, as you trust and walk, not all at once, of course not, but organically, as if it were growing, the light gets brighter and brighter, and stronger, and stronger, until one day, there's nothing but light, until one day, there's nothing but Christ, and his word, and light for all who trust in him in heaven. There's no need for sunshine in heaven, because Christ is the light, that's what Revelation tells us, Christ is the light. And the psalmist was looking forward to what we look back to. As he said, gosh, everything in this word is true. Everything in this book is amazing. It's precious. It's glorious. He was also faced with the reality, and we read it for our confession earlier, the reality that I'm still straying. I'm still choosing at times to close the light out 
where will my help come from? How will I change for good? How will I be changed from the inside out? And that's why Jesus came. That's why we praise Christ above every other name. Because he came to turn the lights on for good. He came to live the life that we could only dream of. But not just live the life, die the death that every person on the earth deserved. To raise from the dead, and to spread that light to all who would trust in him, in his life, death, and resurrection, in his love. It's all pointing to Jesus. Psalm 119 points to Jesus because he is the living word of God. He says this in John. Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. (laughs) We've heard that before. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me, this is not a popularity contest. This is not a get your act right contest. This is not a clean yourself up contest. Whoever believes in me, he will not remain in the darkness. She will not remain in darkness. You and I will not remain in darkness as long as we're holding fast to Christ. His light and life, his power, his word, And that is why we sing, and that's why we come together, and that's why we put on D-Nows, and that's why we uh, have connection cards, and that's why we have community groups, and that's why we have all the things that we're doing. It's because of Christ, because of his invitation, and his light in our lives. His promises are sure. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of hope. He's the prince of light, and he is going to light up everything, every shadow, every corner of your heart and mine, if we'll trust him, if we'll turn to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still not convinced. Um, I want to invite you not to make a decision now. I want to invite you to start a conversation. A conversation with the Lord. The basic building block of relationships is talking, communication. God has spoken, and he wants you to talk back. He wants you to hear him and to respond to him. Start a conversation today. That's my invitation to you. Start a conversation with the Lord. Crack open his word. Start in the Gospel of John if you want. Read the rest of Psalm 119 if you want. But start a conversation and say, Lord, if you're real, I'm listening. Others of you are here, and you're getting pumped up right now, right? like, amen, this is my God, this is my Savior, this is uh, my Lord and King. And yet, you're still aware of the shadows that remain, right? It's not all bright and glorious yet. And the invitation is similar to y'all and to me. Whatever it is that has gotten in the way of you and God's holy, precious, glorious word, cut it out today. Get accountability to remove it today and live in the light of Jesus' promises and his goodness and his righteousness. That's the only thing you can take to the bank. That's all we got.
It's our peace, our purpose, our hope, our home and heritage to come, and the light by which we walk. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word, which is truth. There's so many counterfeits on this planet, Lord. Things that are saying, chase over here, come after me, and yet we see, Lord, by your word that it is all dark and grim, and there are serious pits, abysses on either side. We have your word, your light, and I pray that your spirit would move in us and would empower us to seek you with our whole heart, every inch of our lives, that your word would become our centerpiece, that it would become precious, more precious than anything else on the planet for everyone who sits here. Help us, Lord, to have a conversation, to turn our lives over to you for the power that is in your precious word. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.